And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for um, in humoring me earlier to, uh, to uh, sing a little louder. Thank you for letting me cut in, worship team. Thanks for leading us today. And everybody has one of these, I hope? Okay. Hold it up just for a second. If you don't hold one up, you have to leave. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> just making a joke. All right. So what is this all about? Anybody remember? Yeah, I don't have enough of them to make noise, but you can make noise with them. All right, just a real quick thing, because it's Palm Sunday. Some of you are new at this Christian thing. I especially wanted to coach you, because you might wonder, what, what is with this? What is with Palm Sunday? It's not commanded in the Bible that we have to celebrate Palm Sunday. I just want you to know. Or Christmas, or particularly Easter. Did you know that? We celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, every Sunday. That's why they met on the first day of the week instead of the last day of the week, which was the Sabbath. But part of the celebration, as we heard it read in the passage, is that the people got their hands on palm fronds and took their garments and used them two or three ways. One is laying them on the floor, uh, on the ground, so that Jesus' donkey could pass over, kind of like the red carpet treatment. And I was looking at that wonderful pile. Thank you, ladies, who made it all happen for us. Uh, so we all had these. Um, that when I put my hand on that pile, it was pretty nice and soft, actually. It did, it did work. The other reason is anybody go, anybody ever get excited about ball games? Thought you're lying. Some of you are lying. You get excited. You have little pennants, right? <laughs> Same idea. That's what's going on, as well as a noisemaker. You know, that kind of stuff. So they're celebrants. It became an object of celebration. And in our study this morning, you're going to see how much that is true. And by the way, we missed one little text at the end. Jesus was rebuked by the Pharisees. And they said, oh, I'll tell your disciples to stop making all this noise and making a big deal. And he says, if, I, if my disciples don't say something the rocks will cry out. I don't know if that means literally or if nature will actually go into trauma. Something would be wrong because he needs to be praised for who he is. That was a prophetic moment coming to pass. We're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. So that's why I thought, especially on Palm Sunday, I just wanted to hear your lovely voices. Anyway, so I'm glad you're thrilled about that. Moving right along. So today, the text that we just had read is on page 510 in your Pew Bible, if you want to use it. And um, I'm calling today um, a study still, whoop, I went too far, in Philippians, Saints Alive, because it is going to tie back into the book of Philippians, the book that we've been studying together. And uh, I'm going to do something real quick, because you know I'll knock this over if I don't move it. <laughs> All right. I titled this Before and After, and um, what triggered it, uh, we were praying this morning, and Ben mentioned that it's kind of a picture of how we are, in a way, even as believers, and it'll become self-evident, but you know how many times we look at things from before and after? How much advertising today has to do with before and after, you know? It, it might be any number of things, things like... Um, you know, flip this house. There's before, 
and theirs after. Which one would you rather be in? You know, obviously the second one. It might have to do with a Botox ad. It might have to do with weight loss. It might be all kinds of things that show us here's before and here's after. The newspaper bombards me with that every day. I see stuff like that. Sometimes the changes are uh, not always so positive, like the before and after shots of celebrities. You know, you know who this knockout was when they were a kid and they show you the kid shots? Kind of like this. Remember that cute little kid? And at the end, he looked like that. <laughs> that wasn't so good, was it? <laughs> you are a rebel spy and a traitor. Take her away. Anyway, bad guy. He was the bad guy. Some transformations, some makeovers are so radical, they're really hard to believe. You might remember this one. And the result of her makeover. <laughs> you didn't get that, did you? That makeover should be hard to believe because you shouldn't believe it. <laughs> Two different people, right? So sometimes it's an upward bend and sometimes it's a downward bend. And what we see with the disciples in this story of Jesus being welcomed into, into the city of Jerusalem is a really positive beginning that ends a little bit flat. Because it doesn't turn out the way they were hoping it was going to turn out. In fact, they're moving right into crucifixion week. But aren't you glad? We know the end. We're gonna, I don't want to... I don't want to ruin, you know, the surprise of next Sunday because nobody here knows the end of the story unless you went out and saw the movie. Um, that there is a reversal again and the latter end is way beyond the beginning, right? It's very excellent. The resurrection of Jesus and the completion of his plan of redemption on our behalf. So what I would like to do is speak rather than about outward physical transformation, although that will happen one day, it really has more to do with what goes on inside our hearts and what was going on in the hearts of the disciples. So the first thing I want to do, if you have notes, if you're a note keeper, this is for people who are new at this, maybe leaning in for the first time, and, um, and just people who love Bible study. There are a few of you out there I know that just love unpacking that stuff. Uh, I want to talk first about the praises and why they're going on, what is happening in this event, so that we understand the actual uh, history of Palm Sunday. There's verses that uh, repeat kind of what we heard read about by Joe a minute ago. Those who went before and those who followed after were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. It would be nice to know what they're saying. Well, there it is once. Here it is again from Matthew. The Gospels all share this story, and it gives you a picture of what's being said. By the way, this is very relevant. Have you noticed all the excitement on television about political figures? You know, when the, when the Pharisees were watching Jesus' crowd coming into town, uh, let me give you a little background, if I may. They're preparing for the Passover. This is the big one. This is the big celebration of the Jews. It, it's looking back to the day when Moses took the children of Israel out of bondage. And the way they were rescued was by the shedding of blood of a sacrifice, a symbol of the one-day sacrifice of Jesus. And so when God saw the blood, he said, he would deliver the people who had the blood marked over their household. 
We have the blood of Jesus marked over our household, and that's how we're rescued. Well, when that happened, all these million, over a million slaves left town. They were liberated, and they became the people of God, the covenant people of God. So this is a major event, and there are at least three major celebrations in the year for the Jewish calendar, but this is the big one. And so even back then, in the days of Jesus, literally millions of pilgrims landed in Jerusalem, right? The um, Motel 6s were packed out. Everything was full. That's the way it was. Not unlike the story we read of uh, the, the Jesus in Bethlehem because of the census. It's hammered with disciples, right? Followers of Yahweh. And some of them had heard about Jesus. And so there's quite a crowd celebrating this person, Jesus. And we'll see why in a few minutes. The Pharisees are watching, and they would be nervous. This could turn into a riot, for example. And by the way, that actually happened. Anybody see the news? Uh, yeah, Mr. Trump uh, had a rally and somebody got beat up just because he didn't agree with him being a candidate. Isn't that nice? What a civilized culture. Anyway, so on we go. Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I want to jump just ahead for a second. I'll come back to those words. Where does this come from? When they gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, when the pilgrims came, brothers and sisters would speak to each other and say, Blessed are those, you, who come in the name of the Lord. It wasn't just about Jesus. You have to put it back in the context. They used to quote from the Hallel Psalms, and this is one of them, Psalms that were read during the time of Passover. Anybody recognize this? This is the day which the Lord hath made. Anybody old enough to know the song? This is the day. Don't worry, I won't quit my day job. All right. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Look how it continues. Does this sound familiar? O Lord, do save. We beseech thee. O Lord, do save. Hashanah. It's the... Hebrew word for salvation. That's where it comes from. Converted into Aramaic, you get Hosanna. We beseech thee, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Speaking to pilgrims, now it gets hijacked, if you will, to give praise to Jesus. And they recognize more than just a pilgrim, they start to recognize that there may be here the very king of the Jews that they've been hoping for. So here's the words that are used. Hoshana first, which simply means to save. Save now. Literally what you're saying with that is save now. Anybody ever say amen in church? Well, yeah, you have to because Pastor John makes you say it on a regular. And all of God's people said, amen. see, what are you saying? Amen. So be it. Right? That's what it means. So be it. Let it be so. Amen means let it be so. It becomes a statement of praise practically when we use it. We go, amen. You know, meaning we're enjoying worshiping God and giving him glory. It becomes a statement of praise. Save now became a statement of praise for the Jewish people. Hashanah. And so it moved from just saying save now to meaning, you know, praise God and um, let's see. Precisely. Praise be. 
Or maybe even this, like my friend up north, my fellow pastor, Dan Little, used to say, Hep us, Lord. Hep us. You know, that's how they talk up there. Hep us. I mean, help us. You get, I, sorry. <laughs> it means help us, Lord. Hep us. And it becomes a statement of praise. Save, we pray. Be propitious. Bless your people. And the second word is like unto it. Anybody recognize? There's the Greek, eulogia. Does it sound like anything? Eulogy, which is to praise, to, to give a, a praise statement about a person's life, for example. Here's the positives that I want to speak about. It's the word to bless. And the way that is translated is praise be or invoking a blessing or consecrating something. Like we say, we bless this table for sacred use, which, uh, you know, Baptists are not that sacramental generally. But it's putting something aside for the use of God, consecrating it, same idea. To, and then by, by virtue of that concept of asking for God's blessing, to wish happiness, prosperity, favor on people. So when I say, may you be blessed, I want you to be prosperous, blessed, uh, experiencing God's shalom, his wholeness, uh, his peace. The word shalom is peace, which is internal, emotional, as well as physical. So that's what those words mean, and that's what they're yelling about. And they're excited because they think maybe, just maybe, this man who has done so many miracles is about to take over as the king. How cool would that be? Now, by the way, people in the crowd, you might have remembered from the text that we heard, they were excited because of all the miracles they had seen. Wasn't too much earlier than this event that Lazarus was literally raised from three days of death. That gets people's attention. That makes the news. It was on CNN in Jerusalem, trust me, whatever form that was. The news was out. It was so well known that some of the Pharisees not, not only wanted Jesus out of the way, they wanted to kill Lazarus. Because every time he opened his mouth, let me tell you what happened to me. <laughs> made people believe in Jesus. They didn't like that. The other thing was that there was a while back that Jesus had fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves or something like that, right? How many loaves? Five. Five fishes, two loaves, five, no. five loaves. Thank you, honey. I've had the Sunday school teacher with me. I'm glad I married you. All right. So what are we looking at? When, when Jesus comes into town, people are getting really excited because if this is the Messianic king, and it sure looks like it, we've got it made. In fact, I already showed you that. Here's a reef play of that last passage here. Look at this. Lord, do, do save. We beseech thee. Lord, we beseech thee. Send prosperity. Here it is. We beg you, Lord, the New Jerusalem Bible. We beg you who? That's who it's referring to. Every time you see Lord in capitals, that's who it's referring to, the name of God in the Old Testament. That has real significance, as you're going to see in a few minutes when we get to the New Testament. So hold that on. Put it in the back of your burner there. We beg you, Yahweh, save us. We beg you, Yahweh, give us victory. What kind of language is that? That sounds kind of military, doesn't it? Militaristic? That's because that's what they're thinking. Remember, they want Rome out. 
So what we have going on here is the disciples before attitude is a little bit political like we know it today. It's a little bit Bernie Sanders syndrome. We're going to give everybody free lunch because this guy can make lunch happen out of nothing. It's pretty cool. And we're going to have a little Trumpitis because we're going to build a big wall and we're going to shove Rome out of our lives. We're going to get rid of them. Finally going to fix their way. And that's what we're looking for. And talk about health care. <laughs> Resurrections? I mean... Brothers and sisters, that is exactly what was going on. Just like us. As long as Jesus gives me what I want, then I'm a happy disciple. When he jerks it around some way, it's like, how dare you be God? Not so much. Oh, Jesus got arrested. Oh, well, forget all that waving fronds and stuff. Forget that Hosanna jazz. Uh, let's go into hiding. <laughs> let's not associate with them now. By the way, I think there was crossover. There were people who were worshiping Jesus that day that stuck with them. But there were also the fickle crowds and plenty of opposition. Isn't it interesting how absolutely we find ourselves in the Scripture over and over again, isn't it? So don't take yourself so seriously. Laugh a little. I look in the mirror, I laugh. Okay, so... Let me, hey. All right, so what did I forget? I just want to show you something about the worship, though. Revelation, palms used for worship. I want you to get into practice now, what I do with my front, okay? So you better keep this. You're going to need it. I'm going to show you why. Here we go. After these things, looking all the way to the future, after the loss, death and burial of Jesus, then resurrection, after all of that, on the other end of it, in the future, revelation, the scene in heaven, after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, not just a Jewish multitude, a huge multitude, more than anyone could count from every nation, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. And what do they have in their hands? In heaven? I'm just telling you what it says. It's a symbol of worship. Do you see? It became a symbol of worship. Thank you, Jesus. You can make believe you have a palm. Use your physical palm, right? That's allowed, even in a Baptist church, by the way. You know what makes Baptists happy? Voting. You know what makes them nervous? Praise the Lord, two hands. Oh, there you go. So anyway, <laughs> you got to get out more. Anyway, palm branches were in their hands and they cried with a loud voice. What do they say? Hoshana, salvation. There it is again. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Why? Because God the Father, Son, and Spirit are all involved in your rescue. All of them. Hoshana. Oh, the excitement turned to doldrums and disappointment. But that's a before and after if I ever saw it. But good news is coming, right? Resurrection Sunday's coming. That's the first part. Just a little bit of historical background so you know what that's about. Why it was such a big deal. And here's one of the things that probably provoked them. 
a verse that we find Matthew quoting. Now, this took place, I think I have this, yes. This took place that that which was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. We don't talk much about this anymore. I don't know why we don't. I think it's because thinking is largely a lost art in our culture. Gesundheit. But isn't it fascinating that this prophecy was at least 500 years before the event? Zechariah the prophet pops into this thing. He's a prophet that's speaking to the people in exile talking about uh, the restoration that God has in mind, and he says this is going to happen 500 years before it ever happens. And we think Nostradamus is cool or some other, you know, faker. And, um, and by the way, there are real prophetic powers that are not from God. I hope you know that. I, I don't even have time to unpack the whole supernatural thing today. But this is from God, and it's on the money, and they knew that was going to happen. So when Jesus saw the opportunity, it was not an accident for him to say, go over there and get that cult. I know these people. They'll, they'll make it available. And uh, the, he sees the crowds. He knows it's Passover. He knows there's millions of pilgrims in town, and he also knows he's about to lay down his life. And so it's time to do this. Get the donkey. I'm going to ride into town. It was intentional. It was in your face. It was. It was on purpose. So that people would say, Behold, your king is coming. Humble, riding on a donkey, just like all the kings of Israel used to do, all the sons of David. And David was the one who got the promise that the kingdom would belong to him. And here is his son, long range down the road, Jesus riding on the donkey, fulfilling the prophecy. The kingdom did arrive. There's a before and after if you want one. Old Testament, reading it, what's this about? Now experiencing it, the reality of it, that's a good one. That took place that it might be fulfilled, quoting Zechariah. But one of the things that happened with all of these disciples, all psyched about their new president coming into power, is that they miss the most important chapters of the book. They want to see him as king. They understand uh, he's been working as a prophet. He's been raising the dead. He's been doing miracles, healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching truth, hard, dogmatic truth to his people. He's been a prophet. Now it's time for him to be king. They forgot one other role, priest. He also came to serve as priest, to make a sacrifice, to be the go-between between lost man and the God who made us. He missed a critical prophecy again. This, this one I have to park on for a minute because this is really fun. You ready? Isaiah. Isaiah writing, oh, what was it? I think at least 600 years before the time of Christ. No question about it. Here it comes. Surely our griefs he himself bore. Anybody recognize that? Yet 
he carried our sorrows, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. That is such a vivid description of crucifixion. By the way, don't take my word for it. Here's what's fascinating, why I wanted to park on it. Years ago, text critics, uh, people who were trying to prove that the Bible was not to be regarded as inspired or trustworthy, said, well, that is so obviously a description of crucifixion about Jesus. We think that Christians got a hold of the old texts of the Bible, passages of Isaiah, and inserted this in. Did you know that? See, you learned something today. All right, if you didn't know that. So I, I, I'm glad. <laughs> anyway, yes, ADD out, back on task. So clearly a description of crucifixion that the, the enemies of the scripture said, here's a way, great way to explain this. Christians got a hold of the Isaiah text in Hebrew and shoved this in there. That's how they fixed it. That all worked real well as an argument until the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Dead Sea Scrolls that they know, carbon dated, etc., definitely 150 to 170 years before the time of Christ include this section of Isaiah. Put that in your pipe. And, anyway, so. <laughs> but we don't talk much about that. The, the point is, there's reasons. It is reasonable to be a Christian. And the faith does make sense. And the scripture is the best explanation of the true world that we know. If we're willing to look. So he bore our sins. He was pierced through, crucified, made sacrifice, shed his blood to save us so that the destroying angel would pass over our household, our personal soul, and all those who join us in true faith. And here's the last statement of this passage. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. That, my brothers and sisters, is the gospel, the good news, that Jesus died for you because he loves you. There's two ways you can deal with eternity. You can pay for your sins yourself, or you can claim his payment on your behalf, which is the only way. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, anybody remember our portion in Philippians that we've been parked on for several weeks? Anybody remember who I am? Anybody? <laughs> okay, we're good. Let me take us to this. Oops. This is Isaiah again. You're reading it too quick mainly because I put it up there too quick. What am I doing? That's wrong. All right, here we go. The reason I wanted to share this, Philippians said that he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him. And what happened? He gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, what? 
now you can read it turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth isaiah says remember 600 years earlier for i am god there is no other i have sworn by myself the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back when he says it it's done that's what he's saying by the way his his judgments are past finding out you got to do a little study in sovereignty and come to rest in a good and sovereign god that's what you have to do in my mouth it will not turn back that to me every knee will bow every tongue will swear allegiance that's what it says paul didn't make it up they will say of me only in the lord are righteousness and strength men will come to me and all who were angry at him shall be put to shame whoa whoa tuck that one away that little angry one nobody in this room's ever been angry with god no. nobody I know that you're all good people you're like me I've never been angry I'm lying right now do you get that okay that was a joke huh. just tuck that one away because we're gonna come back to it in a minute okay here's the Philippian version therefore God highly exalted him bestowed on him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father it's a great text amen you should say amen we're on the winning you know I had a friend um, southern boy George Green he would always say he's from Georgia mama green never raised a foolish child somebody asked him what is that revelation book all about he says well I'll tell you what I know we're gonna win in the end <laughs> and we are not because we're great because he's great and that we're in Christ because we're in him because of his rescue the imputation of his righteousness that's why we get to be on the winning team not because we'll ever totally get it right this side of glory have you noticed I want to work a little better at that but I do know my limitations right so every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father boy there's implications here we'll come back to about the angelic registry angels elect and evil the the dead souls of man alive uh, in Christ not oh man there's so much implied but let me just say this the name above every name do you remember when we looked at saved now the verse from um, Isaiah said save now Yahweh remember that save now deliver us Yahweh give us victory if you do a careful exegesis of this text people get it wrong they think that the name above every name is Jesus it's not it's the name Yahweh and he's giving that name the name of God according to the Jews to Jesus why because he is God gave him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus who is now identified completely with Yahweh every knee should bow that confess what Jesus Christ is what Lord how is Yahweh translated for the Jewish into English for Hebrew into English for the Jews Lord L-O-R-D all capitals I don't have time to unpack how they did that in the, in the Hebrew but it makes sense and he's saying Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father that's why Jesus could say if you don't honor the Son you can't honor the Father either can't be done 
which gives trouble to our cult friends who don't believe in a triune God. By the way, it's one of the things that I consider a great witness to the truth of the scripture. Who would make up something like this? It doesn't sell real well. But it is who the God of the Bible is. And he has a right to tell us who he is and how, as much as we can understand him, he has the right, not us. So, the name of God, the Lord, Yahweh, that's why and how, how, why, will all bow down. I'm going to show you one more text because it'll go back. Remember that reference I, I showed you about everyone who's angry at him will be ashamed? I hope there's a blank. Good. <clears throat> we think sometimes, and, and I, 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 I'm, I don't know for sure. I like to say that when I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. It could be sheer brute force will make every knee bow. We will bow. Those of us who know Jesus are going to bow because we want to. We think other people are going to bow because they have to. Is that what you think? I'm not sure. Is it like Darth Vader? You know, your lack of faith disturbs me. You know. <laughs> Is that what's going to happen? You're forced out, you know? If you saw, uh, if you've watched any of the, like the Hunger Games or the, the other, what's that other thing? Um, Divergent? The new one's detergent or something like that. <laughs> anyway, you know, the, the, the oppressors that, that are likened unto the, to a fascist regime, make people nail down and... Is that what's happening? I'm not convinced of that. You know what I think is going to happen is when I come out of my spiritual coma and I realize what reality is, I won't have any choice but to fall down. Go, oh, my goodness. That's the truth. Here's what it says in Revelation. They sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are thy ways, thou King of the nations. Who will not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? No one. Everyone's going to. Either as his subject or as a person who goes, Oh, I missed it. There it is. I see it as clear as crystal. Once you enter through the gate of what is called death or when Jesus returns, we will see things spiritually the way they truly are. And then we won't have a choice. We'll have to glorify his name. We'll say, he's the true God. He did everything right. We're the ones that have been shaking our fists in his face. For thou alone art holy, and all the nations will come and worship before thee. And they will. Those who worship him gladly and bring all the glory of the nations into the heavenly city. But also, all nations will come. All mankind, the quick and the dead, the scripture says. It's part of the basic confession. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. I believe that Jesus is going to judge the quick and the dead. They will come and worship before thee, for thy righteous acts have been revealed. It'll all be stark, raving reality. I won't have a choice but to go, oh, I see it. Do you like watching spiritual movies like Lord of the Rings? Do you remember the scene where Gandalf is trying to persuade Bilbo to give up the cursed ring? 
And Bilbo's like, <laughs> he's becoming almost like a Gollum, right? You know, my precious. And he wants the ring, and he's, he gets mad at Gandalf. And all of a sudden, Gandalf has to give him a little revelation, remember? <laughs> I'm not trying to rob you, Bilbo. And he's, I'm trying to help you. And Bilbo melts down and weeps, right? He starts crying. Why? Because suddenly there's reality. God is good, and all his judgments and all of his works are good. We're the ones that are blinded. We're the ones bumping around in the junk and therefore miss it. But we don't have to stay there. And by the way, brothers and sisters, before and after... I think God's looking for better afters. Even in the here and now, rather than the amount of times I I listen to believers raging at God. And, you know, I know we go through them. I've gone through it. This is not condemnation. The point is you want to resolve it by seeing reality so that I can see that he's good and he's sovereign and he actually does have my best interest at heart, even though I've been missing that for a bit. God wants to do a work. And maybe today uh, you have never put your trust in Christ. I want to encourage you as we close out. I'm going to pray in a minute. Um, I'd love to talk with you. You don't have to come forward publicly or anything else. We're not here to embarrass anyone. But these are in the pew. You can fill one of these out, drop it in the little box you'll see out in the foyer or give it to one of our leaders. Uh, I would love to chat with you about knowing Christ, seeing that reality, having the lights come on. Does anybody remember Keith Green? One of my favorite songs that he sang was Like Waking Up from the Longest Dream. How real it seemed until your love broke through. When the love of God breaks through, that's when the lights come on. And I see him as he really is. I get to see me as I really am. And thankfully, he loves me anyway and is inviting me into his family. Isn't that awesome? Let's stand together as we close. Who shall not glorify your name, Jesus? There's no one, living or dead. One day we will all see and every knee will bow, not because we have to be forced to our knees, because our, our inner emotion will not be able to prevent us from worshiping and acknowledging he is the God who made everything, to whom we owe everything, and the God who is good as well as sovereign, and we have lied about him. We worship you today, God. We thank you for our Savior Jesus coming into Jerusalem Yes, manifesting that he was, in fact, the king, but that he didn't stop there. He exercised his priesthood. He died on the cross for us. He also rose from the dead to prove that the entire plan of redemption, salvation, transformation was a success. And thank you that you, Jesus, sit at the right hand of the majesty on high right now. You even pray on our behalf. I don't even get that fully, but you do. Every one of us here... You have our name, and you have every hair on our head numbered. Man, how small our thinking is. Change us, God. Those who are listening who need to put their trust in you, 
Let your love warm their spirit today and break through, Lord. And we'll thank you for helping us in these things. We worship you. We look forward to next week, but we look forward to every Sunday acknowledging that Jesus is alive and that you are the risen Savior and no other supposed political system or religious system has a living raised from the dead victor for a leader. So we're grateful, God, for changing history. They're even making movies about it. They have been for quite a while and still are because you're good and you're sovereign and you're the God of life. We pray in the name of Jesus today, asking your angelic protection on your people and all of God's people said, amen and amen. You guys have a great day. Let me ask you to take one minute, if you haven't already done it, to fill out the form that we gave you, if you're willing to do that. Hand it to Sharon. She's going to stand out back in the foyer. Sharon, off you go. And... uh, And also, if you want to talk with me or any of our leaders about faith, fill out one of those. God bless you. Have a good day.